June 6, 1980, Libertyville, Illinois. Bruce and Darling Rouse were sleeping in their 13-room, six-acre mansion when they were murdered. It took more than half a decade to find justice for this couple. This is a story of the Rouse murders. Good evening. It is another Friday, March 24th. Um, I am bringing you another true crime case. This is Kelly and welcome to Kelly's Coffee and Crime Chat. I am drinking Java Mama peanut butter egg. Now this is, of course, part of the Easter collection. And I don't know if I've drink drank this on the show before. I probably have. It's one of my absolute favorites and I should have bought two of them. But because uh, I am a big fan of Reese's peanut butter. So this like so good. And I even put the peanut butter skinny syrup um, syrups in it. The only thing is I probably should have brought a bottle of water in here because I'm afraid my mouth's going to get very dry and I forgot to do that. I do not know how to edit. I do not know. <laughs> I don't even think I can pause. I could stop and then do another section, like just hit record again and do another whole section if I wanted to. But if I have to, I will do that. But um, I wanted to tell the story. Thank you so much to Sarah for another suggestion. I really need suggestions because I'm afraid I'm going to end up skipping weeks. And I really don't like to skip weeks unless it's, um, I really need to, like if we have a family emergency or something, which right now we're kind of going through some family troubles. Um, and, uh, but I'm able to record this tonight. So um, everything so far, we're kind of at a standstill, but um, hoping things get better. Um, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible to have um, medical problems and everything. So I'm just uh, hoping for the best. And it's not me. So I don't want anybody to, you know, I'm fine. Uh, I hope I'm fine <laughs> anyway. But um it just, it's, it's, oh my gosh, kind of stressful. And I just want to, I know my husband's going through a lot of stress. So I just wanted to go ahead and do my Friday podcasting. Um, like I said, I do need some more suggestions. I have a couple written down, a few more written down. And uh, if anybody has anything out there from the Midwest, please let me know. I leave my email and um, Facebook page and all of that in the show notes and my Java Mama link and my buy me a coffee link. If you cannot donate, that is fine. You cannot buy me a coffee. I understand. You can also leave me a great message on, or I mean, um, review on Apple, uh, Apple podcast or rate rating on Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast. I'm also on Amazon music, um, Stitcher, all different kinds of um podcast apps. So I also wanted to mention Java Mama Coffee is air roasted. So it's never bitter. We have all kinds of flavors. You can easily click on that link in my show notes and just look and see what we have. Very good coffee. It is the best I've ever had. I am a coffee person and now I think I'm a coffee snob. <laughs> so, okay. On to our story. This takes place here in Illinois. 
it is the Rouse family. Now, I got my sources from Oxygen.com, Snapped, um, Chicago Tribune, and the Cinemaholic.com. Bruce Rose was born in 1936 in Mundelein, Illinois. And Mundelein is where our case came from last week. But he was born in Mundelein, and that's um, north of Chicago. It's up by Chicago. Um, His family ran a gas station and car wash. I'm not sure if it was a chain, but um, he also worked and worked until he was able to later open his own service centers. I'm not sure exactly the name. I didn't get the name of it, but um, he married Darlene Stenlund, Stenlund, if I'm pronouncing that right, S-T-E-N-L-U-N-D. I'm not sure what year they got married. I did not find out, Um, but um, Kurt was... Well, I'm, I should have known they got married, must've got married either in the early sixties. So, um, cause that's when the, his kid, their kids were born. Um, so he married Darlene, Kurt, the oldest was born the following year. And then they had a daughter named Robin. She was born three years later after Kurt. Then they had their third son, a third child, which was their second son, who was the baby of the family. He was William or Billy is what they called him. And he was born in 1964. I did not get the years on the other um, kids, but he was born in 1964. The family lived in a 13 room, six acre mansion in a Chicago suburb of Libertyville. Now, Libertyville was always a safe place. It's like suburbia. Um, it's a place where you don't keep your doors locked, um, especially back then, 1980. You just didn't think of anybody wandering in your house, you know. So um, you always they just never really kept their doors locked. And um, I don't even know. Uh, they talked to many people in the neighborhood and they didn't even know if they even carried keys with them. Now, if I accidentally come back to that, it's because I got it in my notes later. I just, I remembered that really stuck with me. So, um, and I know back then a lot of people did not lock their doors. Okay, after high school, Kurt, the oldest, lived in a cottage on the Rouse property. So they even had another cottage on their property. Um, While here he could play his loud music and party like a rock star, because he was a rock star. He had the long hair, definitely somebody I would have went for. If I would have been his age and knew him, but uh, yeah, that was my type of guy back then. That was, you know, he can party like a rock star. His parents didn't like it. So he had his own cottage now so he can play his music as loud as he wanted to. Um, Matter of fact, his parents ended up changing the locks on their home so he would not get into the house. And I think they did not get along. Um, They just frowned upon his lifestyle. You know, this was, well, this would have been, well, late 70s you know, 60s, 70s, you know, it's a time where your parents, and I know that because it's around the time I grew up, our parents were all from a different generation. They were not into any of that. So um, Billy, the youngest, got into trouble in sixth grade. He was into trouble back from being in sixth grade. I think that's when, I don't know if that's when the trouble started, because I've heard some other things here in my notes, but he got in trouble for vandalizing local schools. His father worked so much that Billy felt ignored because his father was a workaholic. So what did what he do to get his attention? He set his dad's bed on fire. Okay, wait a minute. I didn't hear any more about this, but it's like, I don't know if anybody was home when he did. I'm guessing it was home because that's what he did to get his attention. Hopefully they got the fire out and it didn't cause any damage to the house but or anybody. Um, 
A neighbor mentioned that Billy was bad, had been bad since nursery school. Not sure exactly what he did, but he just was a delinquent. Um, he had learning disabilities, like um, I, dyslexia, for example. Um, as he grown up, I don't know how old he was when he did this, but he smoked cigarettes and got it. You know, he he was just one of those that um, did not mind well at all and got into a lot of trouble. Well, on June 6th of 1980, Bruce did not show up to work. He was always there at 5.30, always. Like, this was just unheard of for him not to show up. So somebody called the house. And the source I read, I read two sources. I read that Robin got the call, and I read that Billy took the call. So Billy took the call, and the, when the employee called and to check on his dad, so he said, well you know he went to work let me check on in the bedroom and so he went into the bedroom to check and then the employee all they heard on the phone was screaming and uh so the police show up i don't know exactly who called if it was robin but robin told them mom and dad have been shot and directed them toward the master bedroom well the master bedroom was a bloody scene there was blood splattered everywhere on the walls in the bed everything um darlene was shot in the face lying next to her was bruce his lower jaw was shot off he also had blunt force trauma to the head and multiple stab wounds um so this was pretty much personal i would think because it was in the face it was overkill um kurt had been asleep in his cottage where he was staying when billy went to tell him um the police were with him um according to kurt one of the policemen had a gun up to his face and uh, i think that right away he was the one that was suspected now a violent thunderstorm happened the night before when they were murdered nobody heard anything in the house and they're thinking that that um covered the gunshots was this thunderstorm and that's why nobody heard but robin had been to a school dance and didn't get home till after midnight kurt was out with a girlfriend and he came home late also, but of course he's in his cottage. So, you know, um, I wouldn't think he would hear anything, but um, the bedroom was ransacked. So at first they thought it was a robbery had gone wrong. Um, they never, like I said before, they never locked the doors. So that's what they were thinking was it could have been a robbery. Now, six weeks later, Billy asked to see the pictures of the crime scene. So they showed him and he said he noticed in the pictures his mother's jewelry box and purse were missing and his dad's shotguns and rifles were all missing. Okay, from this picture, I could see the jewelry box, but why would he notice that the shotgun, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the whole story of this. I don't know how he automatically knew that his dad's guns were missing from this photo because his dad's guns were kept in a closet. So... um they ended up accidentally finding Darlene's stuff, her um, jewelry box and purse, four months later. In the Deplaine River, there was a uh, garbage bag that a land surveyor nearly tripped over. And it had also had her wallet, so her driver's license was in there. And that's how they knew it was Darlene's. Um, the gun, after they dragged the river, the riverbed, it said riverbed. But they, um, I'm not sure how big this, I would think this river is pretty good size, but they dragged the riverbed and they found the guns. So then they suspected that the family was into organized crime. That was their 
next suspicion. While the Rouse children, Kurt Robin and Billy, were awarded $300,000 of life insurance from their parents' life insurance policy. Um, in 1983, Robin told authorities, she came forward and she said she suspected one of her brothers, either Kurt or Billy, for this. Well, this is ironic. The day before she was to go talk to the police about this, she lost control of her car in Racine, Wisconsin and got into a fatal car crash. So she died the day before she was supposed to show up and talk to the police. Um, Billy, the youngest, ended up moving to Key West after high school. He graduated high school, moved to Key West, ended up stabbing a guy over a chess game in 1984. The guy did not die, I take it, because he only served 60 days in jail. Okay, after this, he tried to do his best to kind of clean up his act. He ended up getting married, had a child. I have no, I did not find any information on the child. And he ended up getting a house. He bought a house. Well, him and the wife fought constantly. He ended up turning to alcoholism. Uh, he went through his money like nothing. All of the money was gone. Um, and he... Um, got divorced for some reason i'm having a hard time reading my handwriting <laughs> um so he uh he got like i said went through the money money was gone got divorced he ended up living on a houseboat by the early 1990s got arrested many times for small petty crimes i'm not sure exactly what he did stealing i'm guessing then he ended up robbing a bank with his friends in september of 1995 they got out of there with five thousand dollars $5,000 is all they got. And of course, they got caught. Now, mm, coffee time. Um, I didn't see how much time he got for the bank robbery, but the detectives from, he, from Illinois went there after they found this out to Florida. After finding out all his string of problems and troubles, they wanted to talk to him. And I asked him if there's anything he wants to get off his chest. Because all this, this is like the whole thing that's happened in his life. He turned to alcoholism. He got married, got divorced, went through his money, living on a house. It's just not a very good life to have, especially after getting $300,000 of life insurance. Uh, his parents had money, you know. Um, they had a good life, it sounds like. Now, I'm not sure. Just because you have money don't mean you have a good life. But it was just so much into his adulthood that was going on. They wanted to talk to him. He ended up confessing everything and told them the whole story. He had fought with his mother that night on June 6th of 1980. I'm guessing it was that night. I'm not sure exactly when the murders took place. If it was the next morning, if it was the night of the 5th, and it happened in the morning of the 6th, I'm not sure. But he told them the story that he fought with his mother that night. He came home drunk. Now, this is a kid still in um, high school, I would think, or school. Yeah, so he came home drunk. His mother, they got in a fight and his mother threatened. She's like, don't worry about it. You're going to be going off to military school anyway. So she's threatening, threatening to put him into military school. And this was a quote. He's, he said, she called him a fucking moron. That is what his mother said. And that is in quotes. Whiskey. He had whiskey that night. So he told the police he was drinking. I don't know how he got a hold of whiskey being in high school. I don't know if he got it from his the house i'm guessing but he had whiskey and psychedelic mushrooms after doing those he just decided to kill her yeah i'm just gonna kill my mom so he pulled out his dad's 16 gauge 
semi-automatic shotgun from his closet and loaded it. He went up to his mom, put the trigger right into her, against her head. Now, it says she was shot in the face, and he pulled the trigger uh, against his mother's head while she was sleeping. His father woke up from the blast, and Billy pulled the trigger again, blowing off his father's lower jaw, but he did not die because of that. So, Billy ended up beating him in the head with the butt of the gun, then stabbing him. After this, he starts, he stabbed him because he said he did not want his father to be in misery. The only thing he regretted from this whole thing was what it did to his sister, Robin. It really messed her up. So in 1996, he was found guilty on two counts. The two counts of murder, two conse- he got two consecutive 40-year terms. Parole, he is available or eligible for parole in 2035 when he will be 71. Now, I don't understand this. I don't know why he didn't get a life sentence. It, okay, I'm thinking it's because he was young. I don't know if it's because he was a teenager when it happened. He did not get life, but the judge was disgusted because she could not give him life in prison. So I'm thinking it was because he was a juvenile is what my guess was. Um, I, uh, this is one story I never heard of. And again, thank you to Sarah for bringing this one to my attention because I mean, this was in the eighties, uh, when, or actually no, in the nineties when he was arrested, you'd think I would have heard about it, but I didn't. Um, so that's the story of the Rouse family. Very sad. This can be looked up online. I will have pictures up on my Instagram and my Facebook page. The Facebook page is private, so you have to um, request uh, to be entered or invited, and I will allow you to come in there because that's where I put all my new, if you're on Facebook more than Instagram, that's where I put all the upcoming episodes and then other information about them. Or if I hear any updates on anything, like if there's something that's unsolved. But um, I will have photos up on my, excuse me, on my Instagram and Facebook. And um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter that much, but I'm on there as Kelly CCC Pod. And my email will also be listed in the show notes. If anybody has any suggestions, this was a sad story. It really was to be able to do this to your family and on top of it, not get caught until the cops came to you and asked questions. He probably would have never gotten caught for this, this whole time. Um, It's sad what happened to Robin. I just cannot imagine going through that. Oh my gosh, getting into a car wreck like that. But um, her life was taken way, way too soon. So I wanted to tell this. I have a couple other stories in my file. When I say file, in my head, on, on, you know, on my list, and that I will be doing. But I do need suggestions. I try to stay in, at least in the Midwest uh, of the crime. Um, or it could be somebody from the Midwest. But I do like to stay with the crimes in the Midwest. Because there is one that's pretty that's pretty well known it's been on many many podcasts it's the guy that did the dexter i think his name was mark twitchell if anybody's heard that he it happened in canada but he lived in peoria for a short time and when he lived in peoria that's when he started getting uh ideas for um 
filmmaking and the whole Dexter thing and all that. And I read that and I knew somebody that did work with him at a place in Peoria. The reason he lived in Peoria because he worked at a place that's now closed. Um, it was American. It was called American. It was the name of the store. I'd never been there. I never even knew the place even existed because I was rarely out in that area where it was. But um, <laughs> he worked there. I think it was like a, I don't know if it was like a Circuit City or a Best Buy. I mean, I know they had like, they had furniture maybe. I don't know. If anybody knows, let me know. But um, he worked out there for a short time way because he was married to an American who lived in, his wife lived in Iowa at the time or was from Iowa. I can't remember. And then anyway, they ended up moving back to Canada. And that's when he started this whole thing with the filmmaking and the Dexter and whatever. But that's a very good story. If you look it up, it's also been on, I think, Dateline of 48 Hours. It's Mark Twitchell, the Dexter killer, they call him. But um, that's the one that I thought of doing but it's so well known I try to do things that are not well known with the exception of I did the Brandon Tina story uh two episodes ago which was known but it happened so long ago it has not been in the news for a long time no one's talked about it for a long time and I kind of wanted to bring it back up especially with today's problems with um the transgender community which uh this tells an early story of that and learning of her Brandon's story really made me understand more and, uh, you know, about the whole transgender community and the whole problems with hate crimes. It's a very good story. Uh, so the movie Boys Don't Cry and the documentary is awesome. That's the Brandon Tina story. So that's two episodes back. So anybody can go on here, binge all my stuff, all of it for free. Um, like I said, the only the only donations I ask is, is buy me a coffee, which if you cannot, ratings and um, good reviews are always, always recommended. I also give you, or um, appreciate it, and I also give you shouts on the show for those. So to thank you for your um, reviews. I can't see who rates the show on Spotify. I wish I could see that, but I can't. <laughs> but I can see if anybody writes a review on Apple, I can see that if you write it, you know, instead of just giving the the rating, but if you actually write the review, I can see the uh, name, screen name, or whatever name you put in there. But that's all for today. Have a wonderful Friday. We only have a week left in March, and then comes April showers, which we've already got some showers here in March, but I love the sound of rain. I'm one of those people that love the sound of thunder, and I love the sound of rain. I think it's very relaxing. I like it when I'm home. I don't like running around in it. I'm the same way with snow. I love it when I'm home and I'm looking out my window. But <laughs> And I actually like going out into the snow. I just don't like driving in it. But um, other than that, that's all for today. I don't think I forgot anything. If anybody, like I said, has suggestions, please let me know. And everybody have a wonderful weekend. And um, have a nice relaxing weekend. Take care and be kind and I will see you next time.